Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think. Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. <laughs> the Cretan himself. Indeed. Mr. Jean Palmer. <laughs> back and ready to talk about beer again. Back, back in the again saddle again. yet again. Yes. Uh, that's what you should get into, saddle making. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Is what, there a lot of... Uh... What, is the, what is the word for saddle making? I bet you there's, there's like, a, you know, it's like a farrier for shoeing horses. Ah. And you know, uh, you know, they, they, everything has its own name. I bet you that that uh, what what do they call the people who make guitars? Uh, luthiers. luthiers, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Right. So, uh, what is it for saddle making? Are you googling that now, uh, Porno Steve? I will. S- uh, it's sed- probably something like fairy leather or something like <laughs> fairy that. leathers. Speaking of fairy leathers, uh, how's our good friend uh, John Blickman doing? Ah, he's he's in fine health. <laughs> you, he, took, you, he took me shooting this past weekend, in fact. Oh, yeah? He's always yeah. Uh, told me if I, if I could make it out there, he would take me take me a shooting, me and my daughters. And uh, I, I'm like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you guys shoot? Well, we shot a uh, Smith & Wesson M&P that's uh, a 9mm uh, military-type uh, uh, pistol. And uh, then a, what do you call it, a uh, 1911 um, mm-hmm. semi-automatic yeah. 45, 45. Mm-hmm. Um, Les Bear, I believe he said. Yeah, old old military. Uh, it's a wonderful pistol. Yeah. yeah. Solid. And then, um, and then an AR-15. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, well, an AR-15 type mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. rifle. Right, right. And... Uh, those things are loud. Well, all of them are really loud. I guess in that particular range. I mean, uh, um, but we, yeah, we shot. I don't know, um, several hundred rounds, filled up five or six targets, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I did pretty well. There you go. You you represented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I we we, we I went with our our local PD guys. Uh, on oh, yeah. their off time, and they brought out like their collection of weapons. <laughs> oh my god, it was insane! It was so cool. I mean, you're like, uh, this is a Kalashnikov, and this is, you know, this is a, uh, you know, I'm like, holy crap! It's a really cool <laughs> stuff. Just, yeah. just awesome. I love, I love going shooting. It's a, it's a great, uh, you know, it's it, the. And I think the people who don't appreciate it think that it is just super simple. It's like, oh, you do it. What's what's the trick? You just point it and pull the trigger. It's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. There's a skill to shooting, yeah. and it's it's really cool being able to uh, you know do it do it well. It's definitely a sport yeah. in it. 
Yes. Yes. I, I, I've taken both my daughters. Would not take my wife because I think she'd probably end up killing herself accidentally. Oh, jeez. But uh, my daughters are they're they're pretty darn good. Nice. My younger daughter, she's uh, she's gone with me a number of times, and I think you know a zombie apocalypse happens. Uh, that's the first one I'm handing a, a gun to. <laughs> I would have her like here, here, take this. I took a quiz once about uh, how long I would survive in a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I'm just saying, don't rely on me. Not long like, enough to even I'm answer gone. the quiz. You had to cheat, huh? Yeah, uh, two she days. Gone. I think I, I it said I lasted two days. <laughs> She gone. She gone. Well, you know, there's that, and then there's just being useful, and through your usefulness, people will will save you. Oh, yeah, yeah see, have... that's I've got the these I brew beer. I'm gonna have to attach yeah. myself to somebody who knows what they're doing. Hey, you hang with me, I take care of you. Okay, I would I would save you from the zombie apocalypse. All right, somebody's got to. That's right. <laughs> I mean, if I get to choose between you and Steve, well, it's gonna be you. Steve, right. Steve's going to have to go it's on fine. his own. It's fine. You know, there's some, always somebody that just gets left out. And that's Steve, all right. You'd be the one we just like, here, just zombie fodder. Shove. Shove. Won't last for long. Have you seen me? A lot of right, yeah, a couple of there's bites. There's not much there's meat, there's man. Not, not, not much left. We'll give you five seconds at the tops. Nah, that's just <laughs> enough time for us to run away. Uh, I don't run. Right. <laughs> well, there oh, you go. There. Maybe maybe I wouldn't be able to save you. I was, you know, there comes a time you got to make some decisions. You would be better off. Well, you know, there there you go. You gotta, save you the get, beer. Yeah, right. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. We we uh, <laughs> we uh, we have a lot of fun. All right. Uh, speaking of fun, how about uh, today? We are going to uh, go through our uh, a little bit of live Q and A. We've got um, we've had a lot of questions come through in the last couple uh, of weeks. Yeah, there's, there's the questions are never ending, and that's cool. You send them in to Bruce Strong at thebrewingnetwork dot com, and while we don't respond to that, we actually gather them, sort through them, and then try and put together you know um, shows of your questions. Mm-hmm. So uh, they do eventually get answered. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, you, if you're listening live, you can also uh, call in, believe it or not. <laughs> yes. That's that's Bevo's reason for existence is she's waiting for your call. 888-401-BEER. Or you can join the chat and uh, send your questions into the lovely uh, Miss Bevo, and she will get them to us. Uh, if she thinks they are worthy, uh, we may we may see them, and then we may answer them. So there you go. There's your three ways of getting questions into Bruce Strong. All right. Uh, today's collection of questions is about yeast and related stuff. Porno Steve, the first question, please. The first question. Hey, guys. Since it seems so wasteful to buy a great... Britannomyces or Lato, PDO, Brett beer, and dump the bottle dregs down the drain. I was wondering if you have any tips for culturing the yeast slash bacteria easily while still remaining sanitary. Just curious if you see any issues with the following process. Shake up a simple wort with 100 milliliters of water and 10 grams of DME in an 8-ounce mason jar, mm-hmm. aiming for 1.03-ish wort. Yeah, the 10 to 1 ratio, that's perfect. Add a drop of firm cap to prevent a boil over. 
Toss it in the microwave for one to two minutes to boil the wort quickly and easily. Add a sanitized lid. Let mm-hmm. it cool to pitching temp. Pitch the dregs and keep the lid on loosely to allow off-gassing of the starter. After a few days, tighten down the lid. Toss it into the fridge to be stepped up. Will the one to two minute boil time in the microwave be sufficient to properly sanitize the starter wort? Is there any major detriment to this process I'm not considering outside of boil time? I would say you're fine with the, the short boil. It's not really going to be a problem. Um, you are, you should not tighten down the lid on a glass jar. Um, just leave it a bit loose just, just in case a little bit more activity happens. You want to explode the jar in your fridge. And then, uh, I would also make sure to wipe down the, um, uh, opening of the bottle, uh, with alcohol swab or something just to make sure it's, it's clean, um, before you pour it in, shake it up really good. Uh, I, th- I think that's fine. Uh, you got anything to add to that, John? No, that's that sounds good. I mean, um, one thing that um, yeast cultures do tell us is that uh, when you do that, when you you know try to um, culture the dregs of a bottle, um, very often you will not get the same proportion of um, organisms in your in your culture that were present in the bottle, you know, in the, in the beverage that you drank. Um, some will, some will adapt better to your little starter than others. But I mean, yeah, you know, it's, that's only a a small caveat on what is otherwise, uh, perfectly acceptable. Right. And are people truly trying to clone what they have? I mean, then it would be a concern, but I think the, 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 you know, if you're just looking at, capturing some great aspects of some beer then that's fine and then i also i used to think hey you know i uh, yeah it's not in the same proportions but then i began and i was talking with uh, greg doss uh, when he was at y east about this and i was also talking to chris white about this and i told them both i said you know i've got this this theory that um even with with incorrect proportions the this the difference between bacteria and yeast and all these things and how they work they all kind of eventually will reach the same point or a very similar point, regardless oh. of how much you start with. They'll yeah. go until, you know, and because whenever I did, and the, the thing that got me thinking about this was doing exactly this, taking bottles of different beers, just adding some wort to them. And then, you know, I'd, I'd put uh, a piece of uh, parafilm over the top and I'd, you know, just shake up the bottle and I'd, I'd let them sit. And then I would, Later on, decant these, and, and I'd taste what had been fermented. And it tasted so much like what was in there. I was always shocked how how well it worked. I'm like, there's got to be, you know, something that's really helping this balance out. So I'd say, like, you know, I think, John, your, 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 uh, your point's well taken that I don't, I wouldn't count on it being exactly, especially it could be it totally different uh, bottling yeast right um but you know that being said i think uh you know yeah don't let that scare you away just be aware that it may not be exactly the same right 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 good point all right let's take a short break when we come back we'll have more of your questions right after this the 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch Do out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 
21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like... Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer whether for yourself or as a gift when you subscribe or resubscribe from the brewing network homepage, you directly support programs like this get a great magazine and support the brewing network subscribe to brew your own right from the brewing network.com say hello to my little friend you've heard about white labs pure pitch yeast Pure Pitch is yeast grown right in its final packaging. That means yeast that has never been exposed to the environment. And White Labs Pure Pitch Yeast for Homebrewers is now available to everyone at homebrew retailers nationwide. Easy to use, perfectly sized, and ready to pitch. White Labs yeast packaged using their flex cell process ensures the purest yeast on the market. Visit whitelabs.com to learn more about Pure Pitch, flex cell technology, and how it's created. Then visit a homebrew retailer near you for your own perfectly sized package of Pure Pitch yeast. And you can say hello to your own little friend. www.whitelabs.com Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. More yeasty, yeasty, beasty things afoot. Right. Porno Steve. Apparently somebody came into the the up grenade and said, hey, Steve. Yeah, it was Kenny from Maui. <laughs> Came in, he tried to buy bottles. I was working on Hop Grenade side, and he was like, he just like put out his hand and shook it, and he was like, hey, Steve, I'm Kenny. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> I had to fully embrace it, though. Of course, I had Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah. All your fans know you as yeah. Porno Steve. Cool guy. Cool guy. I mean, both from your, your porno days and from now. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 There you go. Cool. All right. So this Maybe is next one. you tried to change your name. Nope. Can't do it. I'm not escaping. How often does commercial yeast change? Characteristics inadvertently or not? Um, 
2014, I really started to pay attention to everything yeast. I was using WLP 800 and was extremely pleased with the beer it was making, especially after repitch after repitch. I take the winters off from brewing because it's freezing up here in the eastern Sierra, so I discarded the that yeast with my last batch of Pilsner Earl Quell clone. Come 2015, I couldn't wait to get my Pilsner on once again and ordered several new vials of that same yeast from White Labs through the same LHBS per Mr. Malty's starter recommendations. Um, but this time, the yeast would not drop. After fermentation was done, WLP 800 rested on top of the beer like some beer god's cloud looking down on its creation. The first time this happened, I was worried that the beer was infected and that I was watching a never-ending cycle of fermentation happen. Nope, this was cloud WLP 800. In all repitches that I made in 2015, this cloud action happened so obviously my strain of yeast had this trait of cloudness that wasn't present in the 2014 version. The beer was still great, though. So this got me thinking. How often can I expect the characteristics in commercial yeast to be different? Should I expect each vial of yeast to be different year to year? Perhaps expect change over three months, six months? Was this all uh, error on the handling of the yeast from Wipe Labs to LHBS to me? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would... Uh, so... Um... I remember um, causing a yeast to a, a lager yeast to like give up on flocculation completely <laughs> myself. I, it, most likely it is something that uh, uh, the listener did. Um, I know that, you know, I was like, Oh no, he's just defending white labs or the homebrew shops or, you know, shipping from white labs, to the homebrew shops, it, it could kill some yeast off. It's not going to change the flocculation characteristics. Um, White Labs is is very precise in what they do, and they do a lot of testing. Of and they grow the yeast up from you know a, a stored culture, and and they you know the the testing that they do, you can really trust in what they do, and they're 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 very good at at what they do. When when we have a problem at Heretic, what I my first assumption is we did something wrong. It's never white labs it's something we did so it's it's something you did and uh with with lager yeast especially and i think chris was telling me this he goes you know within a generation or two you can make it not flocculate yeah that's true and uh you know it has to do with uh you know oxygen levels nutrient levels um you know a lot of other you know how you grew it up things like that so um you know that can really throw it off I mean, have you, I, and I had this experience where just in one or two generations, all of a sudden had yeast that never would flocculate again. I mean, have you had that experience, John? No, no, um, I haven't, but I've, you know, certainly people have told me similar uh, stories. Um, you know, calcium levels are very critical to yeast flocculation um, and uh, zinc and other you know, nutrients. So, um, if, if you're doing your own, um, recall, you know, um, ranching, uh, mm-hmm. and you start selecting, you know, for, um, from a population that's, uh, you know, doesn't have the right nutrients for good flocculation. Yeah. You could breed it out of them. Well, and, uh, I I lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> hey, it happens to me too. Don't worry about it. 
That train has sailed, as we yes. like to say in the business. Um, yeah, you know, um, and it's 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 mainly uh, lager yeast that changes that quick, but uh, you, know, you could also do it, uh, you know, with ale yeast. I and I have tried the yeasts from uh, some of these other manufacturers, and I'm yeah. telling you, I've had some, I had some decent results. I had some horrible results. That is very true. People just starting up, just like growing some yeast. I don't want to bash on any of them in in particular, but uh, be careful about what you get. And and I've seen other people get yeast that is just like, yep, would never drop from like you know pitch one. So yeah, I was made of made aware of a yeast seller recently where you know they uh, took a White Labs culture. Mm-hmm. And you know, started growing it and propagating it themselves. Mm-hmm. And the people that you know, reliable brewers that used it, they all swore that this, this you know, particular um, strain or you know, uh, culture would stop fermenting and and drop out at ten twenty five. Mm-hmm. You just could not get it to ferment beyond ten twenty five. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, you, it looks like it's doing fine, and you got lots of yeast in there, but they just don't behave the same. There's a real Man. science to, to growing yeast, you know, for, for brewing. Yeah. It's, uh, people think it's real simple, but... And so, you know, I, I'm sure White Labs could, could make a horrible mistake, but, um, you know, like I said, they have lots of checks and balances in there and lots of lab work that they do on every every yeast that they grow up. So I, I just don't think it would be them. I think, you know, look at your nutrients, look at your oxygen, look at your, you know, how you're, if you're doing a starter, how you're, you're doing that. You know, something may have changed in the way that you're, you're, you're doing that. And, and uh, that's most likely the cause. Yeah. All right. Next question. All right. <clears throat> Yeast lost during fermentation. I've noticed. When I don't leave enough headspace, I have a large amount of blow-off and yeast at the bottom of my blow-off bucket. I also notice an inverse relationship to the amount of blow-off and fermentation performance. Could I be losing all my good attenuators when I have a large amount of blow-off? Yes. Um, yeah, and... You know, there's so much yeast in suspension that it shouldn't make that big a difference. Um, you know, the ones that are riding up on top of the croissant, they're really not necessarily that active in fermentation at that point anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you get a large blow-off and a large amount of yeast into your, your blow-off bucket, I mean, how much yeast did you have left over at the yeah, end? Yeah, that's what I was wondering, out? like, how large is this blow-off actually? Right, right. yeah. So I yeah, mean, if he's got a five-gallon carboy that's completely full, right? You know, and blowing off most of it, well, then yeah, that is going to affect. Sure. Um, and sometimes, you know, fermentation can be affected by other things. So that may be the visual thing that he's queuing in on. But sometimes, like uh, in open fermentation, you know, having um, you know just that airspace on top, you know, could could be the difference because a lot of times people will. Um, you know they'll they'll add oxygen to their fermenter, and if the fermenter is already very full, um, they're they're going to most likely get less oxygen into the wort, 
than if there's headspace in the in the vessel. And then they bubble their oxygen in, and then headspace fills also with oxygen. They tend to get, I think, get more into the wort in a case like that. So there's an instance of, well, you know, you had less wort in there, more oxygen, um, and you were fermenting uh, a, a lesser amount of wort with, you know, the same amount of yeast while your pitching rate was higher. You had more oxygen. That's why it fermented better, you know, or, you know, or attenuated more versus, oh, the yeast fell out, and that's why I didn't uh, get as uh, much attenuation. So there's a lot of factors in there. So I, I wouldn't say, you know, it doesn't have any effect, but I, I'd count that as a minor effect amongst all the others, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next question. We're just hammering through these things. We should get through shooting through seven so quickly before we're done. That's because Steve's <laughs> using his porno voice. Yeah. Selecting yeast rates. Hey guys, I was wondering if I were to brew with an ale strain like Cal Ale or something, and I repitched it over and over again, and with every fermentation, I decreased the fermentation temperature one degree until I ended up at lager fermentation temperatures. Would I force that yeast to evolve into a lager strain with the same characteristics as the original ale strain? I'm still reading the yeast book, so forgive me if I haven't gotten to that part yet. Survey says? No. I mean, it's it's not going to become a lager strain because, I mean, they're two different species. Yeah. So uh, that wouldn't happen. Um I, you can put selective pressure on any collection of organisms, right? And then through natural mutations, um, and if you select for those mutations, then eventually you can change the overall makeup of the population. You're not actually changing the genetics necessarily, but you know, you're selecting for certain traits that are a part of that organism that they may express or, or not at given times. Um, you know, a lot of the yeast that we have today, the brewer's yeast that we have today, you know, they feel came from a certain select group that over time, you know, brewers used to hand off a, a, you know, pitch of yeast, uh, you know, brewers that came over from Germany to the U S uh, I've read stories. I don't know if this is true, but read stories of them, you know, taking like a pressed brick of yeast, wrapping it up in like butcher paper and they carry it with them in their luggage. (laughs) And, you know, yep. like the month later when they got here, that's what they used to start up their breweries. And then they brew with it for, you know, 150, 500 years. And sure enough, you know, they've now selected for you know, different traits. And, you know, there's mutations. But the, the yeast are resistant to mutations. Um, but yeah. they, they tend to, uh, you know, they can express different, you know, uh, traits more you know, in, in, in certain, you know, when they grow. It's not... it's like dogs. You know, you can you can take a breed of dog and, you know, over successive generations and selective, mm-hmm. you know, uh, breeding, you can, you know, change the legs and everything. But still, it's still that basic, you know, breed. Um, it may be a, a short-legged variety. Unless you, you cross know. it with something else. Yeah, you know, and and you know, same thing. Like you could take your own dog, and even without breeding. I mean, just 
Yeah, you feed it a lot. You feed it too much, and it becomes fat and lays on the pillow, and you know has heart disease. And it's like, okay, yeah, put him outside uh, every night. Right, I've I've changed my dog. It's like, well, yeah, you sure have. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, versus, uh, you know, you're not necessarily genetically modifying. So I think you could express yeah. some traits, but you, you you can't make it a lager yeast with ale characteristics. So it's way too different. Uh, uh, you know, if they did some genetic modification. Uh, then somebody could make something like that happen. But people, I guess, don't want that. So there cool. you go. All right. All right. Uh, let's see here. Have you heard of our good friends at Lamont? I know John has. Yep. John and I, I have, yeah. we love the guys at, at, at uh, Lamont. I, especially, I, I enjoy I enjoy E-Rector. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Our good friend, he's he's so knowledgeable about uh, water and 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 all that, and uh, such a nice guy. We use the Lamont. Um, what are the names of the the kits that they got? They got the Brew Lab, uh, the Brew Lab yep. uh, Plus, Plus, and, and then and the, the Brew Lab Pro. Pro, right? And so the Brew Lab is, is kind of the basic uh, water test kit, uh, but basic doesn't mean it's inaccurate or hard to use or um, somehow shortchanging you. That's a solid, good uh, water test kit. And then they've yep. got the uh, Brew Lab Plus is that kit with a really nice pH monitor, right? Right. Which right. Uh, my guys have tried that one. They love that one. That's one of their favorites. And then uh, the Brew Lab Pro has got uh, you know a few more tests and uh, I think a little bit larger uh, reagent vials and, and, and stuff like that. And right. uh, that's what we use at Heretic. And we test and our one, water with it. And that includes the pH meter and a dissolved oxygen a, meter. Uh, right, high, right. high range. Right. One. Um, and we, we're real pleased with it. Uh, it really, uh, we stopped sending our water out for testing. We actually test it in-house uh, every week so we can uh, you know, keep track of changes in the water uh, conditions because of uh, you know, our water is made up of uh, rivers and well water and lakes and everything else. And as the rains and all that come and go, uh, it changes our water supply. So uh, we're, we're real pleased to be able to check that and make our adjustments based off of uh, what we know to be fact. And we found the Lamont kit to be easy to use and highly precise. Um, This is the type of testing that you get when you send your water out. They're using something very similar. So uh, good stuff. Check them out. Uh, Lamont uh, there's probably a dot lamont.com of some kind. I don't really know. That's correct. Yeah. Lamont.com. Lamont.com. And follow the, follow the, um, tabs to brew lab and brewing. There you go. Good stuff. All right. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll have more of your questions right after this. A few things happened 30 years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCPIP and the internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad 
fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishev, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging, but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection that's williamsbrewing.com orders placed by 4 p.m pacific time weekdays ship the same day brewing is easy the williams way in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special secret elite bare-bones club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit! NicoBrew.com N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W NicoBrew, your bare-bones buddy in the brewing business. Grog tags aren't just for labeling your home brews to hand out to your friends. They're the perfect way to round out your personal brewing marketing. 
Bringing your latest beer to a funeral? Craft a metal sign to go with it. Heading out to Little Liam's Bar Mitzvah? Grog Tag custom bottle caps are awesome. Couldn't get out of jury duty this year? Grog Tag the hell out of the deliberation room with reusable labels. Grog Tag has an awesome array of products just waiting to be customized by you. Metal signs, coasters, tasting mats, bottle caps, tap handles. It's all there waiting for your designs at Grog Tag. Liven up your next party with the widest selection of custom products ever offered by a sponsor of the Brewing Network. Grog Tag. At least your beer will look good. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right. I'm Do you done. think brewing is disgusting? <laughs> if it's done right, it's like sex. <laughs> if it's done right. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, Steve? Point. That's a point. Yeah. That's the point. To make it as dirty as possible. Yeah. So that's why we do sour beers. Want it dirty like our sex. <laughs> that's, I don't, a, that's a good slogan. <laughs> I don't, dirty. I don't, I don't like, like a, sitting here because I can't see the faces Bevo is making to the things they say. It's mostly her like gagging. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah, I'm used to that. All right. <laughs> yeah. What's the next question? Yeah, don't were you reaching for your beer? Reach I, for the question. It's a good beer. All right. All right. This one's from Sean. Hey guys. Hey I've, Sean. Okay, Sean. I've read that the wort for dry yeast doesn't need to be oxygenated because the yeast already went through the oxygen uptake phase and it will start the replication process as soon as you pitch it. Is this true? Should I not be oxygenating my wort when I pitch dry yeast? Thanks. Uh. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm with you, John. Um, you know, I, I guess you could skip it, but um, like, John, you're, 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 you're working on your uh, next edition of How to Brew and you're, you're writing up right. stuff on... Uh, uh, high gravity beers. I mean, there's an instance where you add more oxygen. I mean, and especially at the initial pitch, it does not hurt to add that that uh, that oxygen. Right. So, I think part of what the dry yeast companies are trying to uh, help, they're, they're trying to make the the alleviate the yeast, worry. Maybe. Yeah, alleviate the worry factor, make the product a little easier to use. You know they do, they do oxygenate uh, the yeast before they dry them, so the dried yeast have good triolose and glycogen reserves, and as they rehydrate, um, they you know they're in a uh, they're in a more vital state, a healthier state than say. Um, you know, some batch of yeast that you've recovered from a previous fermentation, mm. um, you know, unknown, unknown, unknown kind of thing. Right. The, um, uh, the, the liquid yeast manufacturers also do something very similar to yeah. ensure the glycogen reserves rise at the end. Yeah. I mean, yeast these days is all very well cared for. Uh, we're, we're, we're brewing with yeast that's way better quality than what there was available, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, but 
that aside, I mean, in terms of best practices and what, you know, what Jamil and I are always trying to, you know, tell everyone are best practices because, you know, oxygenate your work, rehydrate, give your fermentation, you know, its best chance of success. Yeah, I'm sure you're saying to rehydrate once, but... uh... (laughs) <laughs> Very interesting audio glitch that said re 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 rehydrate. Okay, no, no, no. sure, John. We're, we get it. You want us to you want us to rehydrate? Huh? I got it. No, no, no. Um, you you know, rehydrate your dry yeast, uh, oxygenate your wort, uh, because these are best practices, mm-hmm. and you know. The, all together, it makes for a re- very robust brewing process. Um, there are cases where you know you can. Cut corners. If you ha- overall, if you have a very robust process, you can cut some corners and still have a successful brew. But you know, the more corners you cut, um, you know, the less likely uh, your chance of success is. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, aerate your wort, rehydrate your yeast, um, all those good things. And and if you're brewing a very strong beer, something you know, ten seventy five and greater especially when you're hitting 1090 or 10100 um a second aeration you know 8 to 12 hours into after pitching is very beneficial uh because now you're taking that first generation and allowing them to get more oxygen and um you know beef up their cell walls and so on and you know get get much healthier than if they were simply uh sharing their uh the lipids from the parent cell Speaking of sharing lipids, I'm sure you ah. would, you would want to share more lipids, wouldn't you, John? That's right. I mean, are you getting enough lipids? Yeah, I, I take I take some supplements now. <laughs> well, at AdamandEve.com, you can get more. Not more lipids. Ah. They want to give you more. They're going to give you 10 free gifts. All you got to do is use the offer code Jamil, J-A-M-I-L, at AdamandEve.com, and you're going to get first a sexy surprise for her. Second, a sexy surprise for you. I guess. I guess they're assuming. Uh, oh, for him, uh, which would be you, most most of our listeners. But you know, um, yeah. all right. So there's one for her, one for him, and then there's a third for the both of you. And I believe that is the clit bumper. Uh, we are now allowed to to announce that uh, being oh, the it's case. Like a bumper on your car or what? Something. I'm. I don't understand what what that would be used for. Uh, something for you both to enjoy. Plus, you get six free full-length adult DVD movies and free shipping. Free shipping. I mean, you know, a lot of times they get you on that shipping and handling. I like free. Uh, I like free, free shipping. Free shipping always gets me to buy. So you buy, you know, your, your one thing, you're going to get your 10 free gifts. Uh, all you got to do is use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at avenueve.com, and uh, you'll get more. More lipids, more more everything right, right there. All right. Uh, next question, Steve. All right. This one, selecting yeast for competitions. <clears throat> First off, I want you to know that I am so grateful for the time and energy that you've all put into your show over the last several years. It's been an amazing go-to ro- resource for me, helping further my knowledge and understanding of this amazing hobby. I'm curious about what your thoughts are on selecting the most appropriate generation of yeast for a competition. 
as you and many other sources have suggested, harvesting and repitching yeast can produce a more predictable and favorable fermentation profile, with the third to fifth generations often being the strain's sweet spot. I want to be sure that the yeast I use in my competition beer is in tip-top shape, but I do not have the time to brew X number of batches beforehand in order to achieve this third to fifth generation culture. I thought about whether or not it would be worth the effort and risk of taking a first-generation strain from the homebrew shop and growing it strictly in starters until it reaches generation three to five. In your opinion, would this concept even be possible in the same context as harvesting and reusing yeast from consecutive batches? If so, would these benefits be worth the energy and risk of contamination? Hmm. Yeah, you know, I always mention that, you know, Third to fifth generation was always the sweet spot for me when I was doing a lot of home brewing and, and brewing uh, a lot of competition beers. But, I mean, I don't know that that's necessarily the thing that's going to make the best ye- best beer. Um, I mean, I think just growing it up and make sure, you know, the yeast you have initially is very healthy and, uh, you know, that you're pitching the right amount and everything else surrounding it, temperature, nutrients, all that stuff. Uh, that might be more significant than than the generational yeah. effect, but I mean, I, I suppose you could do that, uh, John. What's your? Well, uh, you know, in general, I, I agree with you, Jamil. Um, and actually, more, I, I agree with you uh, <laughs> pretty wholeheartedly. Really, um, the the uh, adaptation of the yeast to a particular recipe will improve that recipe and improve that beer batch to batch. Um, and every professional brewer you talk to will, you know, attest to that. I mean, they, you know, if they, if they are in fact repitching their yeast, uh, they say, you know, third or fourth, fifth generation, um, that yeast has gotten used to that fermentation regimen and the beer is, you know, attenuating uh, better, clearing more quickly has that flavor profile they're looking for. Um, but when you're brewing for a competition, um, if you're not brewing over and over and over again, uh, you know, under those same conditions, you know, a full batch, you know, um, et cetera. Um, in other words, pitching the yeast to successive starters is not is not going to adapt that yeast to, um, you know, the full recipe and the full volume. So you're not going to get the same, you know, small intangibles that really make mm-hmm. uh, that batch shine. Yeah, your full, um, you know, the the growth in a in an actual beer fermentation versus like a stirred starter or something like that. It's really kind of yeah. You don't get quite the you're, same effect, or you know, it's in like selective pressure. Really, more than anything. Yeah. So negligible, yeah. pretty much, if not. You know, yeah, Jamil is right. Where you know the in terms of brewing for um, a homebrew competition, you're much better focusing on you know the the big the big picture, the big levers. You know, pitching rate, fermentation temp, um, you know, quality of ingredients, all those factors, rather than trying to. Um, you know, optimize for that, the, you know, for the 1% improvement, you know, overall that, uh, you know, fifth or fifth generation yeast of that recipe could potentially give it. There you go. Good answer. All right. 
Uh, one more short break, and we'll come back with more of your questions right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerone are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Ken Grossman of Sierra Nevada Brewing Company says making great beer is hard. Making the same great beer every day is harder. Brewers Publications announces its latest release for breweries of any type and size. Quality Management, an essential guide for brewers by Mary Pelletieri. Proper quality management for small, regional, and national breweries is critical. Whether you are an established business or brand new, learn the best ways to create and manage a quality system in your brewery. 
This book will guide you in developing a comprehensive program that will grow with your brewery, help ensure quality processes in the brewery, and continue providing great beer for your fans. Quality management for breweries is critical for continued success. This guidebook teaches you to integrate quality management in every level of the operation. It will guide you in developing a comprehensive program to ensure quality processes in your brewery. Quality management, an essential guide for brewers, now available from Brewers Publications. Learn more at brewerspublications.com. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Uh, Bevo. Got uh, some questions from the chat, I presume? I do have questions from the chat. I don't know why I can't hear. <clears throat> Sorry. The first question is from Paul the Yellow. Not, oh, uh, it's not Paul the Brown? No, Paul the Yellow. Paul, okay. Paul the Red. Yeah. On a homebrew scale, 5 to 10 gallon, can I make a cool ship that... Is to swallow for healthy fermentation. What is a good height to width ratio? No, too shallow. I think is what he's been. Right. Um. So that's an interesting question because I've thought about that also because I'd like to build some cool ships along with my my strange fermentation vessels from from Britain. I want to make some cool ships too. Um. And so I was wondering about that, and I've seen all sorts of different depths being done, but it's really, I think, that the ratio, when you agree, John, it has something to do more with how rapidly it cools down and that um, allowing certain organisms to populate and not others and also to... You know, you got to hit the right balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I largely think uh, a cool ship at the homebrew scale is um, a waste of effort. Um, Aww. I yeah. I think I think you're. I mean, a cool ship is an attempt to solve a you know a problem at a large scale. Where you have, you know, a hundred gallons or two hundred, three hundred gallons of wort that is, you know, hot, and you've got to cool it off, um, and uh, you know, in a decent amount of time, um, and you're gonna, and and you're also trying to dissipate the heat of fermentation, you know, in that large volume, you know. At the five or ten gallon scale, you don't have that much volume. You don't have that much thermal mass to worry about. So, um, you know, th- th- so taking a step back, you know, what are you trying to do with a cool ship uh, in term besides shed heat? Um, you know, you want an open fermentation. Um, well, then, you know, a a common plastic storage bin from Target, you know, that's used for storing clothes and whatever, you know, that gives you a wort depth of, you know, say four inches or so. Um, 
that's that will give you that you know higher ester profile that you know that more uh, more aerated uh, fermentation profile that you're probably looking for. Well, I think it's um, more for inoculation of uh, you know spontaneous ferment for uh, yeah. uh, native um, organisms, and then yeah. you know, the ferment could be you know done in a barrel or you know another vessel, but that initial inoculum that uh, you're, okay. you're trying to get. Yeah. Well, you know, then that's yeah. I mean, I don't think so. If you're trying to spread out the work to get the most bugs into the wort overnight. Um, I don't know. You, you know, there's, there's a few breweries around the U S that do, um, mm-hmm. wild fermentations like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, they, yeah, they do leave the windows open, um, to inoculate the wort and they do do it in a wide open fermenter, but they're also doing it at 35 degrees in November. Um, you know, they're well, not doing it during high summer. Right. One of the uh, things that, that I've uh, come to learn is, you know, one of the reasons they do this, uh, when they when they start brewing in, in, in Belgium, what they'll do is they'll wait for a certain number of freezing nights, and then uh, then they can start brewing. And yeah. so I've, I've stuck to that myself. Um, at Heretic, we've done some uh, open vessel. We, we, uh, we'll, we'll take a 55-gallon drum. Right. We'll, we'll cut the top off. Fill it, you know, three quarter of the way with wort, and then we raise it on our scissor lift under the uh, the uh, uh, skylight vents. They're they're open all the time, and uh, we'll leave it there overnight. But we we wait for winter, and we wait for a certain number of freezing nights before we do it, and that has you know given us quite a good uh, you know collection of organisms, and we've had a lot of fun with that, um, and the aroma is just fantastic. So, I mean, that's almost like a square volume, you know, that's kind of, um, maybe it's a little deeper than it is wide. Yeah. So the cool ship isn't really needed. It's, uh, you know, you've you've successfully done it with a a taller, narrower. Right. uh, I think it has, well, and if you look at like uh, Russian River, they have a really skinny, tall, uh, cool ship in like their barrel one of the barrel rooms at the brewery. Um, and I always thought that, why, I'm like, wow, that's really weird. Look how tall and narrow it is. So I'm not really sure. But I, I, I would think for the best results, there's some magic to how quickly it's cooling down. Um, and it's not really about surface area uh, per se, but it is how quickly that that volume is cooling down because that's going to affect what survives when it lands in there and what doesn't. And, you know, I think that's part of also like waiting for winter and all that. I think it's, yeah. it's all interrelated. I think you can, you can do well outside of those parameters, but if you really truly want the best, I think you need to figure that, that aspect of it out. That's something I haven't figured out. All right. Uh, next question. I should turn my microphone on. Next question. This is by craft beer geek. <clears throat> Sorry. When brewing a hybrid such as a Kolsch, how necessary is it to lager? Is it only because of the yeast staying in suspension? Is the yeast cleaning up? I'm sorry. Is the is the yeast cleaning up byproducts? I think I missed a show and or paragraph in the book about this. Well, um, 
you know, lagering or, you know, just cold storage for a period of time has effects other than the yeast being active. Now, if you really truly want to have uh, yeast activity, then you can't cool it down too fast and you can't cool it down below like 40F or the yeast pretty much just shut down. So, um, I would, I would say, you know, it's a little bit of both. I would, uh, you know, some of the settling out, um, is nice. So, um, you got anything to add to that, John? Yeah. Um, yes. Part one is, you know, um, you do need to uh, ferment the beer first fully. And then in in that context, you know, do you need to lager to, you know, clarify the beer? Um, yeah. I mean, uh, cold strains can be low flocculating. And uh, so cold maturation or, you know, cold conditioning um, clarification it can help clarification help drop that yeast and clarify the beer but um, it, I think you need to do the diacetyl rest um, before you do your clarification before you do that cold step and uh, yeah so check out the yeast book and the lagering chapter and uh, that, that should lay it out pretty well there you go all right. Um, we, my friend, have reached the end of the show. We had a couple more questions. We will save them for next time. It seems like we had a lot of uh, Q&A about uh, yeast and fermentation. Yeah. No problem. Uh, if you got questions, send them in to uh, BrewStrong at thebrewingnetwork.com or, you know, anytime we're doing a Q&A, uh, you know, go ahead and uh, jump in live with Bevo or on the phone and we'll take care of you that way Mm -hmm. stay tuned stay tuned we're going to be doing it if you're listening live we're going to do another q a it's going to be a little more uh a little more potpourri um uh and uh Speaking of uh, something, Pobre. I don't know. Potpourri? Uh, how about that, John Check Blickman? out the Brewery Network store. And check out the Brewery Network store. You can get your favorite potpourri at the Brewery Network store. Uh, all sorts of flavors and scents and uh, textures. Yes? Yes, yes. yes. Uh, Bevo says yes. Uh, we've got them all. Uh, and anything you buy from the Brewery Network store goes to the bottom line of the Brewery Network. Keeps shows like this on the air. And don't forget to uh, send a, an email to... Uh, uh, John or feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com and tell him how much you appreciate that uh, he pays for the show so you don't have to. Uh, if you want to keep getting it for free, I would suggest knock out an email every now and then and go, hey, send it from different email addresses. I mean, the one of you is listening. You know, maybe sign up for 10 free Hotmail addresses and just send them each. The ones that, like, destroy destroy themselves after you use right, it. Right, right. And then translate it into, yeah. like, you know, a different language and then translate it back to English and then send that. And then it sounds like it's coming from somebody it's totally different. different. There you go. So uh, do that for me. I'd appreciate it. Until then, everybody, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everyone.